This week on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm talking about empty nest syndrome from a different point of view. We've been talking about the joy of the time when kids are leaving home around menopause, but just in this time of the holidays, wanting to recognize also the sadness and the grief around some people just not being here. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And today I'm thinking about a different spin on this whole idea of the empty nest, which I've talked about a lot in terms of it being this amazing, wonderful opportunity to find yourself and reintroduce yourself to your partner if you have one and reinvigorate your sex life. And all of that is true. But what I realized, especially during this holiday season, and I'm experiencing this myself and then talking to a lot of other women uh, who I meet in my office, is that there's another side to this emptiness syndrome that deserves some attention. So we don't want to just sort of jump over the grief and go into the, yay, this is going to be so amazing. I've got no kids. I can run around the house naked and try different sexual positions and all of that might happen. But I realized that I was speaking about that from the position of someone who still had teenagers living at home. And now that I've had my oldest leave, I have a freshman in college and I have two, they're twins, of course, um, 11th grade girls who essentially are never home because I was never home when I was 17. They've got cars, they're out and about. Uh, This week is finals week. For those of you who have kids in high school, it's they're not around. They're busy doing their other things. So what I've discovered is this empty nest grief happens kind of over time. And those of you who've already had kids leave home have experienced this. Uh, Those of you who have kids still at home are going to experience this, that we experience them leaving in small doses. So this is where I am right now. And I'm noticing a lot of my patients are too. So I thought it was worth talking about because Yes, there's the wonderful opportunities of midlife and menopause where we've got our lives back and we can do all these amazing things and find ourselves. But what I was doing, and I should know better because I am a coach and I counsel people about this, but I really was jumping over the grief. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, not in a morbid or sad way. Meg Ellis and I have talked in the past about not jumping over grief and feeling the sad feelings, because when we don't process sad feelings, they come out in other ways. We all kind of know that in some way or another. So what do we do about this? So let's go back to this original idea that, you know, everything is changing, right? Um, Nothing's permanent. So we have a phase of our life, some of us who are parents, this doesn't apply to everybody. And certainly many of the listeners don't have children. But if you don't have children, it's still, I think, a really great idea to understand and have empathy Uh, for what some of your friends and colleagues might be going through. Because the cultural idea that I found is to just say, this is all great. Oh, this is all great. Yeah, my kids, my kids are at college. It's amazing. Um, You know, I'm so proud of them. I've got all this time now. And um, it's painted in a really rosy way. And that is true. And not to say that that element isn't very real, But I think because it's painted in such a rosy way, it doesn't always allow us to feel comfortable expressing that that really sucks. Like sometimes I just feel like shit and I want to have my kids back and I 
you know, there's a lot of grief and regret. And so just naming that I think is really important because this women's circle that we're building here on the podcast and in the work that I do in my office is really all about sharing our truth and not making out that we're doing better than we really are, but just telling the truth. Like, how are you really? How are you really? And and I can tell you right now, like this past month, if if you asked me, how are you really? And I've done this with a lot of my coaching clients and patients. They're really sad. And yeah, it's Christmas and it's Thanksgiving. And these are amazing times to celebrate. And I don't want to take away anybody's joy because, you know, this is all about joy. But when somebody is missing, you know, perhaps it's somebody who's died. Maybe we're looking at the other end of the spectrum of our generations where our parents are no longer with us. Or maybe our kids are not coming home for the holidays because they've got better things to do, like mine. I didn't go home for the holidays when I was 18. Now, you might have kids who come home from the holidays. Everybody has a different style of family, but I want to recognize that not everybody has this storybook family, you know, where your kids go to college, they call you three times a week and FaceTime you on Friday and tell you how great you are. And then they come home for the holidays and spend all their time with you. You know, if that happens, frankly, it might not even be healthy. You know, I hope that it is if if that's happening in your family, but it doesn't happen in a lot of families. And there's a lot of grief and sadness around the holidays. We all know that and we kind of brush over it. And it's not just for those who are alone. It certainly affects those who are alone terribly. We know the suicide rate goes up during uh, November and December. Um, Lots of depression, lots of um, addictive type behaviors numbing our pain. But just for what I'll call regular families, there's just a lot of grief. So what do we do about that? Well, the first thing that we do is we do this. We just name it. It's like, yeah, it sucks. My son's not coming home for the holidays. Here's another side to it. I raised a really independent child. And what is the point of being a parent anyway? You know, sometimes I ask myself this. Did I just have them because I wanted some pets? And, you know, truthfully, a lot of us do that. And I think that was part of my desire to have children. You know, you're married and what are you going to do with your life? You have these children and in a way they're kind of pets. And I don't want to, you know, let's be honest. I mean, part of it is that desire just to have someone to love, someone who will love you, someone to entertain you and vice versa. But if we think about it, you know, deeply, and I've been doing a lot of this lately, we're raising these human beings to be independent. And if we raise them to be independent, then we did a really good job. And, you know, many, many of us know this poem. I'm going to read it anyway, because I look at it frequently. I think I was first introduced to it when my kids were really little. And, And honestly, I didn't really understand it. But now I'm starting to really understand it. It's a, a poem by a early 20th century poet, Khalil Gibran. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And I'll just read it. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit. 
not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. And, you know, every time I read that, I just find that so powerful. Their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit. Like, youch, I want to visit, <laughs> right? You get what I'm saying? It's like, shit, I can't visit where they're going to live. I, I want to, and it's very painful for me. And I know some of you are experiencing that because I've been talking to a lot of people these past two months about these feelings. But in as much as we, not to sugarcoat it, yeah, so let's just sit in the ouch for a minute. Uh, you know, I really try not to just jump over the grief and go, oh, yeah, well, that sucks. But hey, it's really great. You have an independent child. Congratulations. You were a great parent. Just sit in the ouch for a minute. And I've been doing that myself. It's not fun to sit in the ouch to say, yes, this hurts that my oldest child decided not to come home for the holidays. You know, I've said that a bunch of times, but a lot of us have these types of situations. Got better things to do. And I, and I get that. There's other people that my kids would rather be with now as adults than me. And when I think about myself as a 17, 18-year-old, I don't think I thought about my parents for one half second. And there wasn't anything wrong with that. It's just not what teenagers do. And so, yes, they should be kind and they should be polite. We hope that they'll be good citizens and productive uh, members of the community. I didn't think about my parents when I was 17, 18. I was thinking about myself. And so, yes, if your children are doing that, welcome to the world. And, and I feel your pain. And we're here together as women to talk about these things. It's not easy. So around this time of menopause, all these things happen, right? Our kids are growing up and leaving. And then I already mentioned the other end. Our parents are getting sick and dying. So this loss of part of our family or part of ourselves or part of our idea of the way things should be, like that should in quotation marks, that's, ugh, I hate that word. The way things should be, you know, the way things should look on these beautiful Christmas cards that I'm getting. And thank you everybody for sending me your beautiful Christmas cards of your family. I've said this before. I take one look at them, I throw them in the trash can and I'm not being disrespectful. I love looking at your family, but I know that's not real. Your family doesn't really all wear white sweaters and stand together smiling. And I've made those too. So I'm not criticizing you and I'd love to see them and please keep sending them. But it's like Facebook. It's not real. We all know that, you know, whatever, I'm looking at one right now, that you have a lot of problems in your marriage. One of your children is having problems with addiction and another one dropped out of school and all of these things. But we put these pictures together to make ourselves look better than we really are. And I'd really love to see someone's holiday picture of what their family really looks like. And, and I could have made one except, you know, half my family's not here. <laughs> not good. So that just makes it comical, doesn't it? But not to say that those aren't beautiful things, because there are moments when our families are that connected. But I think that can add to the shame and regret and feeling of not belonging that other people have. So I'll just tell you, I'm not a big fan of those pictures anymore. And I certainly produce lots of them myself. So no judgment. I made the world's best Christmas cards of my perfect air quotes family for lots and lots of years. And, and I kind of stopped doing it because it wasn't real. We're losing people because this is what happens. Everybody we love will die. Everything we cherish will break. Everything we own will disappear. This is impermanence. And around the time of the holidays, these feelings get 
accentuated because there's this expectation that we're all going to be together and we're all going to be here. And the missing those who are not here and the grieving gets very um, accentuated, accelerated, all of those things, right? And so what I'm doing today is just giving a space to think about it, to talk about it, to say that, yes, me too. Yes, me too. I have that too. So there's all kinds of families, all kinds of families. And so what I'm saying, part of it won't resonate with you. Maybe none of it will resonate with you, but lots of us are divorced. The divorce rate goes up around menopause, often because kids are leaving home and the marriage starts to lose its purpose. We realize, you know, we were just together for the kids. So this is a time when women 45 to 55 often find themselves in a different situation. If we're divorced, we have maybe some kind of custody agreement where the kids don't spend every holiday with us. We may be spending time with a new family. Maybe we're dating again and spending time with his kids or her kids. It's very complicated and it doesn't always feel good. So give ourselves permission to have those feelings. I've been talking for years about how great, wonderful, empty nest is. And yeah, it's going to be wonderful. You can have sex in every room and make a bunch of noise and try new things and travel. And you won't have those kids to have to worry about. And that is true. But don't jump over the grief. We've got to sit in the ouch for a minute. And then I love just sitting and thinking about what we did as a parent in a positive way. I have struggled with spending a lot of time sitting and thinking about all the regrets I had about parenting. So now they're gone. You get to run this inventory of everything that you did, right? It's like, God, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. You know, maybe if I had been this person that I am now when they are were five or 10 or when I name the time, I would have made different decisions and I would have because I was a different person then. But just give yourself some self-compassion. You did the best that you could as the person that you were at that moment. I was the best mother to my five-year-olds that I could possibly be. And at that time, I was delivering babies. I wasn't home very much. I had two nannies. I missed out on a lot of their lives. And in retrospect, I've got a ton of grief and regret about that. I wish I'd spent more time with them. Uh, maybe they would have turned out differently if I'd done that. You know, maybe they would have had fewer problems or less anxiety or all the things we can just run stories all night long. And I do done this, you know, we hours of the morning about all the things that you could have done differently if you had only known what you know now. But yeah, do that for a little while. I, I have done that. It's got to be done. And then let yourself off the hook. You did the best you could with the knowledge and the capacity that you had at the time. You are not the same person now that you were then. And you're not going to be the same person next year, next month. And you still have children, assuming we're talking we're to moms here. And I know some of you are not moms, but you still have children if they're adults. And there's no time that you can stop having a relationship with them. I've talked to a lot of people who are sort of estranged from their kids. And, and I could, didn't speak to my parents for quite some time when I was sort of 18 to 25 and then developed a really great relationship with them later in life. And we know this happens for a lot of people. So it's not the end of the story. This is one of my favorite lines. Whatever you're going through right now, it's not the end of the story. If you have a perfect relationship with your kids, it's not the end of the story. And if you're completely estranged from your kids, it's not the end of the story because you are changing and they are changing. And so that dynamic is going to continuously have an opportunity to start again. 
it's continuously going to have an opportunity to start again. I have to remind myself that all the time. But so here we are. We're in holiday season. Christmas is coming up. We just got through Thanksgiving. Um, and when I say got through Thanksgiving, yes, it's a wonderful time. But I personally just got through Thanksgiving. Didn't have my kids due to our custody arrangement. Sucked. I mean, parts of it were great, but there was a lot of pain. A lot of other women that I know experienced the same thing. I was not running around the house naked, having sex in every room, celebrating, not having my kids. I was crying. <laughs> a lot. A lot of crying. A lot of sadness. A lot of regret about maybe I shouldn't have got divorced. Maybe we could have had uh, blah, blah, blah. All the maybes, all the things that I could have done and should have, maybe should have, could have, would have done, right? But I did the best I could. And ultimately, our children will see that we did the best that we could. So I wanted to shout out a little bit to my friend, uh, Christine Mason. As some of you know, she is the owner of an incredible company called Rosebud Woman. We talk about them a lot in my office because she makes a line of just the world's most beautiful, intimate products. So check it out, Rosebud Woman. But Christine does more than that. She has a podcast. She just really celebrates women. And I absolutely love her. So she did a piece the other day that I read about the empty nest issue. And uh, she offers uh, the opportunity for other authors and speakers to come into her space. So one of the speakers that she had come into her space was uh, giving some tips about how to get through this empty nest stuff. So check it out on her Rosebud podcast. And one of the recommendations, and there's a lot of them, was to write a prayer to yourself. And this is an example that the author wrote, and I just found it so beautiful, so I'm going to read it to you. Dearest life, thank you. I have ushered a sacred being into this world, truly my labor of love. It's been trying, challenging, and testing. It's been delightful, surprising, and propelling. It's been my honor. Thank you. I now leave my most precious offering to you and the world. I ask that you protect, guide, and love this person as I have. I ask that you also turn your gaze to me and help me on my new journey. May the unfolding of this next chapter be loving and kind, peaceful and filled with ease. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I continue to discover and enjoy the purposes you, life, offer me. And I just thought that was such a beautiful prayer. And I took up her invitation to write my own prayer. I'm still working on it. You know, prayer, you can use a different word, meditation, poem, whatever it is. It doesn't matter who you're writing it to. You know, you may have God, you may have life, you may have yourself. But just a recognition of intention, going back to, you know, we talk a lot about intention, of recognizing our intention of moving forward into this next phase of life if we are empty nesters or, or about to have our kids leave, or if they've already left, or if our parents are leaving, this recognition of people leaving us as happens inevitably as part of just the cycles of life and allowing ourselves to have space to grieve and then also setting an intention to allow this next phase of life to come with some ease so that we're not clinging onto the past because boy, do I cling onto the past. I've been looking at pictures of my kids when they were little, like there's no tomorrow and crying and wishing I could be back there. And that's not a bad practice to do, just intentional grief practice, you know, sit down and just go through all the pictures and just cry your eyes out and hopefully do it in a 
space of self-compassion and recognize what you've done for these people, be it your parents, your children, your spouse, your (laughs) ex-spouse, the people who are leaving you because they do. They're supposed to, just like we did. We left our parents. We left our homes. Maybe some of us left our spouses and we will leave our children in death. So this is not a morbid conversation, but I just wanted to add another side to this idea that empty nest midlife is just woohoo, yay, let's have a party and have sex in every room and make lots of noise and enjoy traveling and all of the things we can do. Yes, so let's do that. Let's please do all of that. But let's also recognize the loss that goes along with moving from one phase of life to another. It's a huge loss and let's honor that. And it's not going to stop because life is just a continuous cycle of gain and loss. Um, Those of us who are struggling with losing our parents right now, and I know many of you are, or struggling with elderly parents losing our marriages, we're constantly dealing with loss. And then we're constantly giving ourselves opportunities to rebuild. So if things don't fall apart, they cannot come back together again. And one of my favorite authors, Pema Chodron, has a book called When Things Fall Apart, which I recommend everybody reads. But we cannot build new things if we don't allow the old things to fall apart. And it's hard and it's painful and it's associated with a lot of grief. But in that space, when we've allowed the things to fall apart, you know, we don't even have to allow it, right? Because it's just happening. But since it's just happening, let's allow it. Children leaving, parents dying, marriages ending, jobs ending, all the things that seem to happen right around now, right? 45 to 55, it's all happening allow because it's happening anyway. So we got two choices, right? We can fight it or we can allow it. So I actually bought a book about this because I was really struggling. Um, And I recommend it if you're struggling with uh, empty nest grief. It's called Healing the Empty Nester's Grieving Heart. It's by Dr. Alan Wolfelt, W-O-L-F-E-L-T. He's a grief specialist, counselor uh, in Colorado. And it's just a series of ideas. It's actually a hundred practical ideas for parents after your kids leave. But it's beautiful. It's got a lot of really beautiful ideas. And I've tried some of them. And I realized I was trying some of them anyway. And that many of them were stuff we talk about, like building same-sex friendships, taking up a new hobby. I mean, this might all sound kind of corny, but these are things that get us from our old life into our new life. And I've told all of you lots of times, I'm really actively working on building same-sex friendships. I'm trying at least twice a week to meet up with a woman uh, who I'm building friendship with or meet up with an old friend. I'm taking up new hobbies. I'm taking tennis lessons. These are important things to do to create this new phase of life for yourself. Because if we sit in regret and we sit in the past, we're never going to live in our fullest aliveness, which of course is what we always talk about here as what my primary wish is for myself and for everyone. So that's what I have to say about the holidays, about the grief around losing people, uh, recognizing that yes, holidays are great. I love Christmas. I love all the joy associated with all of it, but let's not jump over the grief because some of it is sad and it's okay to feel sad in the holidays and you're not alone. You are so not alone. In fact, I don't know anybody. I haven't met anybody who doesn't have some grief or sadness around the holidays. 
because it's not the way it should be in quotation marks. So could we just get rid of that idea of what Christmas should be and just let it be the way that it is for your family or for yourself, if you're by yourself or for your group of friends, throw out the should. There's no good comes from that. Uh, Comparison is the enemy of joy. I love that quote. Comparison is the enemy of joy. So remember that when you get those beautiful Christmas cards and Facebook pictures, they're beautiful and thank you for sending them. But comparison is the enemy of joy. And if we want to have joy this Christmas, we're going to have to stop all the comparison and recognize that, yes, life is changing. People are leaving. It's not going to be the same as it was five years ago, 10 years ago. It's going to be different. And it might even be better and more joyful. So allow the possibility that it could be better. So that's what I have to say. If you liked this episode, as usual, write some comments, subscribe, like it. You can visit me at drsusan.com and I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.